Welcome to No Church Answers, the weekly Christian podcast for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys looking to model positive Christian leadership in our work, families, church, and communities. Want to discover ways to apply scripture effectively in everyday life? Tired of the pat answers in Sunday school? Then settle in for a gritty, authentic, and unexpectedly funny Christian podcast. And now, No Church Answers. And welcome to No Church Answers, a Christian roundtable discussion for men. This is podcast number 264, hard to believe. And we're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sugarland, Texas. So grab a globe, spin it around, bang! Not sure where you ended up, but spin it around, find Texas. Southeast side of Texas is Houston. Southwest side of Houston is Sugarland. You know, we're not pastors. We're just regular guys, but each of us are on our own spiritual journey meeting daily challenges just like you and that's why we're here and we're having a deep spiritual discussion for men that you don't often get to be a part of and you know what we are taking any church answers and we're glad that you've joined us you know this is called authentic gritty and unexpectedly funny so make sure that you check us out our podcasts are available on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and we, of course, are on Facebook, YouTube, and at NoChurchAnswers.com. So please rate our podcast, leave a review, and thanks so much for your support. And you know, at this time, I'm just going to dive right in, and I'm going to uh, introduce the panel. At this time, he is a former world-class policy writer, a professional gambler, a man of many talents. He's also the producer of the show. That's Mr. Steve Titch. Hey, Steve. And he is a former prosecutor, a current attorney, sporting a really nice tan. We call him the judge, it's Michael Cropper. <laughs> Hi, y'all. And he is a world-class, a corporate trainer, pretty much the group theologian, a big deal in talent development. It is the professor, Mr. Robert Koshu. Robert. Hey. And my name is Bill Cox, and uh, at this point in time, I'm really kind of like a nothing since uh, I got uh, I let go on my kids. job, and uh, but I have a part-time one maybe uh, maybe coming up. So anyway, but I'm the host, so <laughs> we're going with it. And uh, <laughs> that's right, we're gonna go. We go over where, wherever you want us to go. We go <laughs> right. right. I'm kind of having my Job moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, anyway. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and turn this right over to the producer, uh, Mr. Steve Titch. Talk about your deep discussions. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Bill. Um, we're going to dive into the divine speeches in the book of Job. We have been, I don't know, done about six studies so far, six or seven have been leading up to this moment. This is one of God's most ex extended appearances in the Bible, maybe the, the longest in terms of at least him speaking. With the exception of Jesus being on earth. Oh, yes. I'm yes. going to just throw that we're out. Talking, yeah. We're talking the, the Father. Job, okay. Joel, God the Father. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's right. Uh, certainly, yes. Uh, and and um, because we are a Christian podcast, and the Trinity counts here. So, uh, But this is, uh, this is really deep stuff. It's poetic stuff. It's really interesting. And as, as, as we've, uh, we've looked at and uh, already, uh, Job himself is in a dark place. Uh, he's demanding an audience from God, and he gets one, but for all the discussion we've had about divine justice, God does not really resolve much. Uh, he doesn't ever say why Job is suffering the way he is, although we as the readers and the audience know 
Uh, and uh, what what God provides is essentially, I, I think it's around 70 questions, a final exam, 70 rhetorical questions. Uh, I'll simply say this. You might say the conventional reading is that God shows up to put Job in his place. I disagree. disagree. And, and, and we'll talk about that. Yeah. Uh, God is certainly God, but I'll leave it in this introduction at this. Whenever in the book of Job we've learned there's a rhetorical question asked, generally the church answer is the wrong answer. Right. <laughs> it's, not the, it's not the obvious answer. Uh, I'm going to kick it over. Just, just briefly bring us up to speed, uh, uh, Mike. For those who may have not been listening or who've been missed the last few podcasts, where where are we right now in in the Book of Job? All right, uh, Steve. We're going to go quick, uh, folks. I'm going to go right back to the the very first for a second. If any of you have not listened or read Job, uh, boy, you ought to. It's uh, it's it's a long series of arguments between. Three friends of Job's and him. So if you're with friends like this, who needs enemies? But anyway. Nice. Three friends and a a millennial. (laughs) Job is a wealthy, successful, God-fearing man with children, servants, camels, oxen, and sheep, and a lot of them. Satan appears before God and convinces God to allow him to torture Job and see if he can break Job's faithfulness to God. And by the way, folks, I'm just thinking on the way over here. God is up there administering and governing the universe, right? And he's sitting there, and he's got angels. He's come on, guys, come on up before here and give an account of yourself. And then, and and Satan comes walking in, hobbling, and he says, he says, you know, this looks really boring, God. You want me to throw a monkey wrench in everything? So that, and this is a, you kind of get this sense if you go back and read the front of it. Satan comes there, and God says, okay, all right, you can use Job as a pawn, but just don't take his life, right? But anyway. Satan appears before God and he convinces God to allow him to torture Job and see if he can break Job's faithfulness to God. Satan takes all of Job's children, his livestock, most of his servants, and in some form of tragedy and just a single day. A few weeks later, Satan covers Job with boils, blisters, and sores, much like leprosy. The diseases cause him excruciating pain. Job has three friends who come to visit him and comfort him. So after a week of silence with his friends, Job breaks the silence by crying out in anguish, and he curses the day he was born. He believes that he is right in standing with God and questions why God ever created this day for him, which just totally shocks his friends. So Job's friends are offended, and they decide that Job has sinned, and he has not come clean with God. And that's why he's in the present situation he's in. They debate back and forth, and the friends condemn Job, but Job still maintains that he is righteous. Finally, the three friends give up because Job is stubborn in his posture. And in the last podcast, we met Elihu, a fourth person who confronts Job. He's filled with energy and pride. He's young. His speech sets up today's podcast. I think Steve mentioned that. Elihu is mad because Job justifies himself and not God for the agony as he endured. Although he is much younger, he is very confident that God has given him uh, the special answer for for Job's suffering. Elihu believes that there is a good reason for God afflicting Job. And while this may be a true statement, ultimately, 
Elihu does not know the real reason Job is suffering, but he proceeds to tell Job that he has sinned (laughs) and he needs to repent and make his life right with God. The same argument projected by the other friends. So Elihu's speech ushers in the appearance and presentation by God. Did you want to comment on that, Steve? Yeah, no, I no, no. I'm just, I just wanted to be, we're going to do the reading. I just wanted to tell her, we are, we're doing what we've done in the past few weeks. We are condensing and abridging uh, the readings. We hope we're giving you a fine idea of what's in. We encourage you to certainly go back and read the whole, uh, whole text. Uh, we're going to do, there are two divine speeches. We're going to do them one at a time. The first one that Bill's about to do in, in his inimitable hosting voice uh, are, are drawn from Job chapters 38, 39, and the beginning of 40. So without further ado. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, Who is this that obscures my plans without words, without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me, if you understand, who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? Or what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb, when I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness, when I fixed limits for it and I set its doors and bars in place, when I said, This far you may come and no farther. Here is where your proud waves halt. Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place that it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it? The earth takes shape like clay under a seal. Its features stand out like those of a garment. The wicked are denied their light, and their upraised arm is broken. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow, or seen the storehouses of the hail, which I reserve for times of trouble, for days of war and battle? What is the way to the place where lightning is dispersed, or the place where the east winds are scattered over the earth. Do you, do you know the laws of the heavens? Can you set up God's dominion over the earth? Can you raise your voice to the clouds and cover yourself with a flood of water? Do you send the lightning bolts on their way? Do they report to you? Here we are. Who gives the ibis wisdom? Or gives the rooster understanding? Do you want to pray for the lioness and satisfy the hunger of the lions when they crouch in their dens or lie in wait in a thicket? Who provides food for the raven when its young cry out to God and wander about for lack of food? Do you give the horse its strength or close its neck with a 
flowing mane? Do you make it leap like a locust striking tear with its proud snorting, its paws fiercely rejoicing in its strength and charges into the fray? It laughs at fear, afraid of nothing. It does not shy away from the sword. Does the hawk take flight by your wisdom and spread its wings towards the south? Does the eagle soar at your command and build its nest on high? It dwells on a cliff and stays there at night. A rocky crag is its stronghold. From there it looks for food. Its eyes detect it from afar. Its young ones feast on blood. And there the slain are. There it is. And then the Lord said to Job, Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who accuses God answer him. Then Job answered the Lord, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer twice. But I will say no more. Wow. So before we go any further, let me direct our listeners to No Church Answers on our YouTube page. Go to our YouTube page, No Church Answers. And we actually did a TV show, and we're going to take a different perspective tonight, but we did a different a TV show on fearful symmetry. So I, I would direct our answers to go, I would direct our listeners rather, to go, go listen to that because we're going to take a little different take today. But if you want to hear a really good discussion about how this is kind of a second creation story for the world, go check that out. It's on YouTube page, No Church Answers, and it's episode number 19, Fearful Symmetry. Yeah, okay. Uh, I just want to go ahead and throw this out about, I don't, the discussion that God is having with Job is a lot like the way my dad would check me. Um, he would, I mean, especially if I was really um, wrong in my judgment. My dad would take a little extra log to make me realize that you might be male, but I'm the man. I'm number one. <laughs> You're much less than one. You know what I'm saying? But I, I don't really think that it was a humiliating type of correction. You know, I mean, I thought it was kind of more of an enlightenment, and it just reminded me of, I mean, I can absolutely see my dad doing something like that to me. I, it's interesting that you, I was going to ask you what, what the end result of that, if you walked away with your, your head down, or if you came to a new understanding. Oh, absolutely, a brand new understanding, no question about it. And, and I think, particularly with men, a clear a definite clear line was good for me as a kid you know and my dad had one you know and i mean and i would step over it anyway and and know i'd get beat because it was worth it you know the the whipping was worth it i mean okay that's fine but at least you knew what you were going to get 
You know what I'm saying? And really and honestly, and I think I, I don't want. I hate to call them beatings because everybody thinks that you walk away with wills. But no, I got I got whipped with a belt by my dad. But you know what? I mean, that was a tune-up spanking. <laughs> well, up to this point, no one really knows what God how he runs the universe or yes, that, in absolutely. fact I mean you don't learn it from this point either but at least he speaks to Job now the interesting thing is you notice he he speaks somewhat similar to Jesus in parables only he uses questions right All right Jesus Jesus used parables and God doesn't flat out say Job you messed up here he starts asking him questions where were you when I did this this is this oh man of great knowledge and, <laughs> All right. and it, no, it, it's very fascinating because uh, um, up to this point, no one really understands the whole situation until you look at God at the first Job and at the end of the God, God, uh, pardon me, Job where he addresses him. And it says he, is, he appeared to Job out of whirlwind. At the end of this, Job says, I now get to see you face to face. But he didn't really see him. God doesn't appear to men face to face. He appeared to Moses in the burning bush, right? Here he appeared to Job as a whirlwind. When Moses did get to see him, he got to see the back of him. And when he appeared to Abraham, he appeared in the form of angels, even though Abraham addressed them as God himself, which may mean that he was Jesus Christ. But God himself says, you know, man cannot look upon me. So there, there are situations, and with Gideon also, he appeared to Gideon, and I think in the form of what Gabriel or Michael, one one of one the of two the angels, angels, right? Michael, right, Michael, right. Michael. But anyway, hey. I, I I think it's quite fascinating. Here he speaks in parable. He's not straightforward with his answer, and then he doesn't appear clear and straightforward either. He appears in a whirlwind. Those just two things I observed. Well, my question about this though is, doesn't this kind of set up the 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 doctrine? Because I mean, and you guys can. Certainly tell me if I'm all, all wrong, because you think about this compared to like the Greeks. The Greeks had an individual God for each thing, whereas God goes through this and lists all the things that he does. So oh, in a way, we're going to get to this. There are some there's some important symbolism that that cert, that certainly would have been understood in it at the time this was written and even more pointed where we consider where the story is placed in patriarchal times, yeah, the the sea, basically, it's reiterating what's in Genesis. Everything was created by God. Uh, that that and and he particularly points to that mention. You mentioned against the ibis. You know who gives the ibis wisdom? The ibis was a wisdom god of the Egyptians. The ibis was worshipped as a god. Right. God is no no. God created the ibis. The sea, which which has a has a couple of um, interpretations here. The sea was always a symbol of chaos, and it's God who holds it back. Uh, we also we also have a great reflection of that. It's kind of a maybe one of these oblique hints to Job, where God said was talking of the sea. Who tells the sea this far you may go and no, no further? further? That's exactly what he told Satan. In the prologue about Job, you can do this, but you can't harm his body, and finally you can't you can't uh, you can't fine. kill him. Yeah. So yeah. so you have you have that God who 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 lets things go, and as we see, we'll get to the second reading where we have two important symbols that were actually Sumerian gods that come into play. But 
also here you get you get the impression of of God truly the creator that's right. what's great about this he's not it's it's it 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 takes genesis that much further in genesis he creates the 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 he creates heavens and earth and everything in in 6 days and then rested here we know that on the eighth day, he got back to work. Uh, that's right. And with that, we're going to go ahead and take our first break. This is No Church Answers. We'll be right back. This is Bill Cox, director of Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Thanking you, our listeners, for making us one of the fastest growing podcasts in the Christian space. We are proud to announce that the regular guys have earned a video slot on Preach the Word TV Network, a Christian video streaming application with more than 50 million downloads worldwide. To finance our video production, we have launched a GoFundMe page to raise funds for our studio space and production team. Our program will be available on Roku, Amazon Fire, and Apple TV. It will also air locally in Atlanta on Saturday mornings on WYGA channel 16.5 to make a tax deductible contribution and learn more details please look us up on gofundme.com under man up spiritual oasis for men or donate directly through paypal at donate at manupmedia.org thank you so much for your support and now back to the fellas of man up and welcome back everybody this is no church answers that's the buzzer so just in case we do someone will get buzzed and you know just uh, we are in the study of job and i just want to say something that uh this is a great uh christian roundtable discussion for men been going on coming up on six years and you know because we are men i'm looking at the box where these buzzers came out of and it says for ages three plus and you know we're what? in the plus. We're in the plus. <laughs> right. How appropriate is that for our podcast? We got some. Our one of our props is for three-year-olds and up. So, <laughs> and folks, you know who has exclusive control of the buzzer, right? Uh, the same hey, who got hey, has hey, exclusive hey, control of our of the direction of our podcast. I, I just want to point out Bill Cox says it's learning me. resources, <laughs> and it's a company I order things for when I conduct mm-hmm. adult training yes. classes. So. I'm just going to throw that out there. (laughs) Where were you when I gave that purchase order approval? That's right. That's right. What what is that Far East? Uh, what, what's the uh, the the thing that uh, they used to have a magazine oh, on the yeah, Far the, East? The, or the Eastern, Eastern Trading, Trading Company. Company. Yeah, yeah. Here I got some uh, some supplies for our <laughs> office from Eastern Trading Company. Um, I, and with that, we're going to go back to uh, our discussion on Job. And before I get to reading too, I just want to uh, get the professor in here. So so here comes the fun part because. Let, let, let me so tad bit of neuroscience from the trainer for a moment how people learn best is by answering questions and doing things mm-hmm. not sitting and listening to long big lectures mm-hmm. so god doesn't come in i mean it's, it comes across as a speech but it is literally god asking questions and and i think um what's the word i'm like artistic license was grant authoritarian editorial license was granted by God when this was written 
that we don't get Joe's responses. Because I'm sure at some point Joe's no, like, we well, um, 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 yeah, um, um, <laughs> at well, the well, end. What to do? I'm going to. Yeah, well, it was yeah, sort yeah, of, yeah. But, but not really. I think there is. We don't get the reaction yeah, is what well, you're talking about. I, I think the there's much more of a yeah. dialogue very, that actually occurs during this I, than we're given. I, I, I'll say this we get, because we get two speeches. We get the second speech coming up that I, th- I think actually Job gives a kind of response initially that we all can identify with. He kind of hems and haws. Right, he, he does kinda, the weasel. He kind of says, well, yeah. if I said something wrong here, I'm yeah. sorry. I'll just sit down and <laughs> shut up and. I God's my... not gonna let him get away with that. True. Before I before I read it, I mean honestly, I mean I I just think I thought Job did a really nice job of kind of doing the weasel uh-huh. and then just trying to put an end to it. You know? well, what would you yeah. do, man? I would do like I would do. I'd dude, say, I would do the same thing. I'd I would get under the, the table. We- right? I would do the weasel and then I would be like a dog that got beat. You know how they expose their juggler. You know, they just lay down, they just expose the vein. So, yeah, man, yeah. Here, take, take me out. <clears throat> All right, and with that, I'm going to go ahead and uh, read and, and start with uh, Job 40. Yeah, these, are, these are from 40 and 41. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? Do you have an arm like God's? And can your voice thunder like his? Then adorn yourself with glory and splendor and clothe yourself in honor and majesty. Unleash the fury of your wrath. Look at all who are proud and bring them low. Look at all who are proud and humble them. Crush the wicked where they stand Bury them all in the dust together. Shroud their faces in the grave. Then I myself will admit to you that your own right hand can save you. Look at behemoth which I made along with you, which feeds on grass like an ox. What strength it has in its loins. What power in the muscles of its belly. Its tail sways like a cedar. Its sinews of its thighs are close-knit. Its bones are tubes of bronze. Its limbs are like rods of iron. It ranks first among the works of God, yet its maker can approach it with his sword. The hills bring in their produce, and all the wild animals play nearby. Under the lotus planet lies, hidden among the reeds in the marsh. The lotuses conceal it in their shadow. The poplars by the stream surround it. A raging river does not alarm it. It is secure, though the Jordan should surge against its mouth. Can anyone capture it by the eyes or trap it and pierce its nose? Can you, pull, can you pull a Levithian with a fish hook or tie down its tongue with a rope? Can you put a cord through its nose or pierce its jaw with a hook? Will it keep begging you for mercy? Will it speak to you with gentle words? Will it make an agreement with you for you to take it as your slave for life? Can you make a pet of it like a bird or put it on a leash for a young woman in your house? 
Will traders barter for it? Will they divide it up among the merchants? Can you fill its hide with harpoons or its heads with fishing spears? If you lay a hand on it, you will remember the struggle and never <laughs> do it again. Any hopes of subduing it is false. The mere sight of it is overpowering. No one is fierce enough to rouse it. Who then is able to stand against me? Who has a claim against me that I must pay? Everything under heaven belongs to me. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You ask, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. My ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Pretty much a full takedown and full submission by Job. You know? Um, but I... I still get the feeling that it wasn't done maliciously. No, no. I think I think this last part is more where where Robert's coming from. There, there's like it's whatever whatever's been learned or exchanged is encapsulated there. Now the the, the commentator I'm reading points to that final final words, dust in ashes, uh, and this is Gerald Jansen who wrote this for the interpretation series, Book of Job. Um, dust in ashes appears three times in the Old Testament, twice in the book of Job, uh, but it also appears in Genesis when Abraham is negotiating with God for Sodom. And Abraham approaches God and says, although I am but dust and ashes, I think you should, there are reasons to spare this, right? Spare the, the city. Uh, here, Job... What, what Jansen's contention is, is that he says in Hebrew that, that preposition of in, I will repent in dust and ashes, in isn't there. That Job is basically personifying himself as dust and ashes uh, in his relationship with God the way Abraham was. I'm getting deep here, but that, it's not... That would actually fit based on the time frame of it, when we think yes, Job was alive. It's, it's not something, in other words, this is not something he's going to go out and do like you know pour ashes on himself and renders this is this is now his understanding of where he stands with god and it's not necessarily bad it's just essentially that's how he compares but he's accepting that and because he's accepting that he can move forward and again i'm saying that, that do not I'm, I'm not in the in the worm ideology i'm not assigning a value just adjustment to dust and ashes being dirt or garbage it's just a situation where he's characterizing himself against the mightiness of god and certainly that's been <laughs> been pretty much spelled out here uh so so i guess where do we take that from there it's it's kind of this uh idea of of fearful symmetry which we talked about in this passage 
And, th- and this is where the Sumerian gods come in. The behemoth, the behemoth and the crocodile, the behemoth and the leviathan are not dinosaurs. <laughs> right. Uh, they actually are the Sumerian uh, ideas of the rhinoceros and a crocodile. And if you go down, I know you go down at like Museum of Fine Arts Houston, you will see in their ancient collection, they have little idols of crocodile, and I think they have a crocodile. I know that. They have, they have a rhinoceros. They were the idols from Sumerian art. And you go to other museums and you look up Sumerian art, and you'll find them because that's who they worshipped. And here he's saying, you know, these mighty creatures are again... Mind to, mind to toy with. <laughs> right. Uh, and that, your, that your, your view, he's saying to Job, your view of creation is limited. Your view, you think, you think it's all orderly out there. Uh, it's not. And you think, you know, justice is easy to define. And if you extend it to that, you know, it's good, bad, whatever, whatever. You think it's easy. You think, and, and he's kind of, we got to also remember that, and we don't know that. Are the friends hearing this? I'll kick it over to Robert. I think they are. Yeah, because, you know, the, the, you know you, because you're... The, because at the end, in the prologue, Job turns yes. to the friend. Or, pardon me. God turns to the friends and, and basically <laughs> gives them a dress down. Yes. So, and interestingly, Elihu is not mentioned in that. Yes. Therefore, he is a... He is a... <laughs> a uh, the guy we talked about last year, he is my millennial of the group yes. who thinks he knows everything but has no life experience to back anything he knows up. So, so. so Job... Yes, Job is getting his smackdown, sort of. But I think on the other end of this, he's coming out understanding that there's more again i guess his his if his, his one his one contention is being validated where he's telling their friends there's more to this than what you're saying god kind of says yeah there's a lot more to this well, <laughs> a I, lot more and even you and even you joe don't get it <laughs> well i kind of think uh this is in a way the way i used to discipline my children uh, I only have two, but if I would, even if I would have had ten, I would have done it the same way. Um, I pretty much uh, disciplined one when the other one was really close by, or I made sure that they were aware that it was going on because it was amazing. You discipline one, how it kind of disciplines the other one at the same time, and I think in a way that's kind of. God is setting this up, not only talking to Job, but there's going to be plenty of other people like Job that come behind him. Because understand this, it Job was a good guy, and he and he had made his wealth honorably, and you know, so there's he's doing the best he can, right? Right. He's, I mean, that's no, a fact. No question about it. And then okay. I might have uh, stepped over, so it's kind of like a tune-up spanker for him, but it's all the but other I don't jokes. even think it's a spank. I mean, you're, you're equating I, this with discipline. I don't think he's disciplining like, Joe. I mean, in being shown how much you do not know. Yes, okay, there's that. Yeah. No, <laughs> yes, yeah. It's the old... It's, it's the old, both. It's both. Yeah, it's mostly. He's, he's telling him this is, all, this is everything you don't know. Mm-hmm. And Job says, I'm sorry, you're right. So yeah. it is. A, it I, does come I, out okay. as a form of discipline, even though it, you're saying he yeah. may not be intending it to be discipline. He's informing well, them as can, education may be a better... Discipleship bit. discipline yes. is, in, is yeah. following, right? I, I, I was going to say, it, this was given in the spirit of the way you correct an employee. Mm-hmm. You don't come in and yell and scream and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. You sit down, mm-hmm. you ask them what they did, 
you notice it's all questions. Mm -hmm. And like mm -hmm. I said, mm -hmm. I think we're missing a lot of dialogue. I think mm -hmm. there were some editorial things that went mm -hmm. on here. Yeah. And it's questions back and forth to make that person realize, oh, dang. You know, when someone messes up, I don't go up to them and say, what were you thinking mm -hmm. when you did this? That, hey, tell me what you did there. Think you should have mm -hmm. done it that way? <laughs> well, you did it that way, so what happened because you did mm -hmm. it that way? So what would have happened if we'd have done it this way? And, and if you read God, that's almost like the speech he's giving him because he's saying, look, why are you questioning me? I'm in charge of everything here. You can question me, but don't presume, presume the answers. And I, and I think that the whole part of this is, and, and I think this is really where the friends come in, Job is questioning, but the friends are presuming the answers. And I think God's speech is as much to the friends as it is to Job to tell them, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, you think you do. You know, we probably smacked Elihu much worse. You, you know, because they're presuming to know God. And, and here's the secret. We can't know God. We, we glimpse Paul, Paul's statement of we glimpse through a glass darkly. And if you ever look through, I, I always talk about when I do training, we always talk about at the end of the day, okay, are we at mud, tea, or water? Or, I'm sorry, yeah, mud, tea, or, yeah, mud, tea, or water. Mud, if you've ever looked through a glass of mud, you ain't seeing nothing. Tea, depending on how deep in the state of Texas you're brewing it and how dark it is, you can see, but it's kind of cloudy. Then water, you can see all the way. Best we ever get with God and the things about God is T. We only see God and his through characteristics and everything about him has T. We get glimpses. We see God as love. We understand the actual saving work of Christ because it's been explained to us. But anything that is not black, white, or otherwise, it's glass darkly and we're making guesses. You know, and it's one of those eventually we're all gonna get to go die and go to heaven. And then we can sit down, and you know, I've got my I've got my list of questions ready, and God will probably laugh at me. You think he'll get the direct? You think he'll he'll give you the same answers, the same the he'll same probably get Probably, probably, probably be a lot worse actually. <laughs> but but I mean, you know, it's like I want to know what. Okay, God, you know, when Jesus was writing in the sand with Moses, yes, you what the heck? Know. <laughs> you know, what were you writing? You know, I, but it, but we don't know those answers, and and I think when we start presuming like his friends in particular Elihu who we talked about last week when we start to presume that we know mm -hmm. the mind of God that is an incredibly dangerous place mm -hmm. for us as human beings to go because then we're exhibiting true hubris mm -hmm. in every sense of the word you guys um, talked about um, and Bill especially you said I don't think God was intended to humiliate Job. And I think Steve and maybe Robert even referred to it. I know Steve said it too. But you look at verses um, 8 through 14 in, in chapter 40, and it's a repetition of what you read. And he says, he says, God asked Job, would you indeed know my judgment? He could have said it in some really, really harsh words. Instead, he asks him very, very intelligent questions. Would you know my judgment? Would you shut down what I've done? He said, would you condemn me so that you can justify yourself? Which is what we do. When we insult people, criticize people, we do it to make ourselves look better, right? 
And God is saying, would you do this just to make yourself look better over me? He says, uh, have you an arm like God? Can you thunder mm-hmm. like me? He said, now here's, here's a part that really challenges that I, I, I found so fascinating. He says, adorn yourself with majesty and splendor. Put on your robe. Put on your righteousness. Put on your holiness. Put on your, your ability to, to, to be a king, right? And disperse. Then he turns around and says, disperse your rage of your wrath. Look on everyone who is proud and you humble him. Look on everyone who is proud and bring him low. Then tread down the wicked in their place and hide them in the dust together and bind their faces in darkness. In other words, place them in the grave. You judge them, you deal with them, and you execute your judgment. Then I also will confess to you that your own right hand can save you. There, there's a, that's, a, that's actually, I'm glad you brought that up. That is a fascinating passage fascinating also because it tells us something else about God. Go ahead. That, that he restrains himself. Oh, no I, mean, I mean, there's another, an, no another question. question being answered no question. here. He yeah. said, you know, maybe the more important question is, you know, in, when, when he goes, can you, you can, uh, unleash the fury of your wrath? Yes. Can you hold back the fury of your wrath? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As I Listen do. to those people on right, social right. media, maybe right. this is, uh, can right. you... Can you not only can you, I mean, and 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 he's kind of talking about a little bit of his character here, I think, yes, yes. in that God is a merciful God. He he has yes. chosen not to, yes. and in, in in some ways mm-hmm. maybe that's answering some of the questions they have in the dialogue. Well, why is why is that that evil guy thriving? Well, yes. God has simply made the choice. Uh, well, he can see ahead of us, right? Mm-hmm. He can see in the future. And see, he can ultimately see the result of certain decisions he makes, mm-hmm. whether to help the wicked, or the wicked gets the rain, mm-hmm. pardon me, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. There are a number of things which uh, Job referred to. He said, he said, do you laugh when the wicked mm-hmm. um, uh, prosper? For, for lack of better terms, Job asked God that. And, 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 Job, and mm-hmm. God answers him, and all these things we're just now talking about, and says, you don't know the half mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> yeah, but but also we get the idea, and, and and we love, and I know we love to talk about the idea of free will and such. It's there's room for this. I mean, God is not. It's not as simple as God's going to make us all be good. No. And and you know if if you're all bad, you're all. This is all going to happen. God is giving agency, and I here is the other part we're seeing in here. There's a lot of agency in creation. He he's not. At the same time, he's not the celestial watchmaker. He's not just, he doesn't just wind everything up and he's sitting back and watching things go. He's, he's clearly present in the world. Metaphorically, he's finding food for the animals. He's, he's still active. He's not, and so we've got that. But he's leaving a world, and we talked a lot about this in, in Fearful Symmetry, he's leaving a world kind of that things are going to play out. And you've got to be careful. The, the thought that comes to me, I didn't use this in the telecast, so I'll use it now. Uh, if you guys remember when Jaws came out, the movie Jaws in, the, in 1975, I think it yeah. was, yeah. Um, everyone thought, well, yeah, everyone made everybody scared of sharks, everybody <laughs> scared of going into the, in, into the water. But really, it, the, the, you might say the unfortunate aspect is for, for a good 10, 12, maybe more than that years, people thought there was nothing good about sharks. They should be hunted to extinction. 
Um, and they darn near worked. And they darn near worked until yeah. ocean biologists kind of said, hey, wait a minute. Sharks have a purpose. They're mm. not just around there. It's a very, it's very much like Jobin's friends. They must be there to eat us, so they're bad. Mm. No, well, mm. what we learned is that no, God put the sharks there for a particular reason. Or if you look like can, their pride. He can, he can pull the sharks out <laughs> on the hook. You, yeah. you, yeah. you can. So, so that's yeah, no. that's I think an, an illustration here. No. Well, and and it's funny you bring that up because I'll say forty years later because I to this day and. Just let me throw this out. I was a competitive swimmer, so swimming's not an issue. I'm not a fan of swimming in the ocean. I saw Jaws at too early of an oh. age and was traumatized as a child. But but it's a good point. It, it's the same thing of, you know, it, it, we're finding out we're having bee shortages. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden, oh, dang. <laughs> you know, this all works together. And, and, and it's one of those, you know, to the point that if we're not careful... And and don't don't what, let me let me say this. I work for an oil and gas company, <laughs> so I'm not a green crazy person. <laughs> My livelihood depends on me not being a green crazy person. But you know, it, it's a difference of oh my god, we're going to destroy the ecology. To hey, how do we best take care of the planet? And and I think that's part of it because I think this comes into like you said, Steve. He didn't throw it out there and sit back and go, oh, let's see what happens. <laughs> He's actively involved in it to a certain to an extent, and he's doing what he does. And when we go beyond and we start thinking we're doing humongous changes to the planet, it's it's hubris. <laughs> you know, it really is. And with that, we're gonna go ahead and take our second break. Uh, this is No Church Answers. We'll be right back. Hey, pastors Pastors and church church leaders, are you looking to create an exciting program that will attract, engage, and inspire men in your congregation? Book a live Man Up Spiritual Oasis podcast for your next men's ministry event. Called authentic, gritty, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been delighting podcast listeners since 2017. We're not pastors, just regular guys willing to talk about scripture and how we can apply it to our personal faith journeys. Man Up is a refreshing alternative to predictable motivational speakers, offering your audience a chance to connect with everyday Christian men who don't settle for routine Sunday school answers. Interested in learning more? Contact Bill Cox at liveshow at manupmedia.org. And now, back to the fellows of Man Up. And welcome back, everybody. This is No Church Answers. This is podcast number 264. We are studying Job, and we just had a... uh, couple of fairly long scripture readings um, and it was God's response to Job and I honestly when I talk about uh, different scripture uh, and, and I, I know a lot of people go well who would you be who would you <laughs> be in the story and you know I'm, I'm the same guy I'm the pig farmer that's over on the side you know just kind of uh, watching all this happen and the thing that I get about honestly I have more respect for Job and his response after this than I had before because you think about it when you question the wrong person the wrong authority figure I did it when I questioned my dad when I questioned my grandfather when I questioned the authority in the Navy (laughs) you know 
I've had that issue before. Um, but I think the lesson for me taken out of this is in Job's response. Ooh, I might have overstepped somewhere. <laughs> you, you know, um, and I want to go around the room uh, another time and get uh, see what the fellows think. It seemed to me why why do men sit in courting the Old Testament and the tradition by Abraham from Abraham on forward? Why do they sit when they are repenting to God and they throw ashes on them, put ashes on their head, and dust throw dust in the air? And and I'm thinking there there is there's got to be more of a deep spiritual content than just looking like you're sorrowful. And it it seems to me like. When you're repenting, you're truly asking God to forgive you and restore you to a clean bill of health, to where you are pure and holy, right? And the only way you can do that is if you ask him, take me back to the time I was born and start anew with me and create in me a new heart as if I were an infant. And that to me would be what, because we were created, what, out of dust and ashes? But I'm just thinking that out loud, guys. That's been something that's, made me wonder forever whenever I hear they sit and they repent in dust and ashes and they put ashes on their face and everything and uh, throw it up in the air. Professor. This is partially a total takeaway for Joe, but I think since we're going to hit it, the epilogue next week, I'm going to leave that for something else. But don't be afraid to question God. I, I think... Now, now, by the same token, don't expect him to show up in a whirlwind and answer you. But, but I think questioning is part of our faith because when we ask questions, we dig deep and start really looking into things. And it's when we ask those questions and then dig to find the answers that we actually grow in our faith. And I think that the ultimate lesson of Job is that, is that when we question, we grow. And it will will this be our closing and takeaways, Bill? <laughs> because you just said I'm going back to the guys. All right. Well, go ahead, Mike. Oh, go ahead. Give mind? a closing and a okay. takeaway. Yeah. Do you mind? Uh, no, okay. No, no problem. Uh, very short. Uh, my final thought regarding this: uh, God permitted the terrible affliction Job endured. God also permitted the terrible affliction that Christ endured. Neither person suffered because they had sinned. Job suffered affliction because God wanted to educate him on the vastness of his knowledge and his character. And as you guys have mentioned, Steve so aptly referenced in his format uh, a plan that God has for us and for the world. Jesus suffered affliction because God so loved the world that he would pay the penalty for our sin for all time if we believe that he died for our sins. And this, too, was a part of God's plan from the beginning, from Genesis, from the creation of the world. So the notes closing, I want to pass on to you something Steve said uh, in our in our notes, in our format. He says, despite all discussion about divine justice, God res- will resolve little, if any, part of the question directly which we look at in Job. Job never learns the real reasons for his suffering, nor does he get to argue his case before God. Literally, the speeches pose more questions than they answer. Much is left for the open-minded and the prayerful reader to discern. And that was from Steve, folks. And, I, I, and, and that may not be the right closing <laughs> phrase, but I like what he said about it. 
So Mike gave Steve's closing. I, I'll have to give Mike's closing now. Um, uh, no, I will. I will because I'm glad he drove in, brought in some of the some of the new Head Testament aspects. I, I like the way Bill, you brought this up, and Bill, Bill and Robert were doing this. That to to not see these questions as some kind of stern father figure yelling at the guy, but kind of a coach. And and there is yeah. one instance. There's a very Job-like rhetorical question that Jesus, or a, a question that could have come out of Job that Jesus kind of mirrors in. It's in both in in Matthew and Mark. I'll I'll give the citation in Mark. It's it's Mark, uh, chapter ten, verses thirty-five through forty-five. Now, this is the famous story where they're walking along, and uh, the two of the apostles. Uh, say uh it's james and john who say okay jesus who gets to sit next to you at the great celestial banquet and uh you know jesus kind of in you know you can imagine him kind of being the personification of god kind of feeling what god might have felt like doing this and 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 he doesn't he he gives in a very graceful but pointed question he says you don't know what you're asking can you drink the cup i drink or be baptized with the baptism i am baptized with which of course he's talking about his crucifixion to come mm-hmm. now the, the 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 thing is the, the apostles answer and they say we can and then again we, he gets a little bit of follow-up job does it Jesus says, well, you will. Um, but he does it in a way by saying, I'm in full confidence that you will come through it. And that's, I think, in some ways, we, we look at Job, the, at, at God's, 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 if I say treatment, God's answer to Job. He, he's giving him a, a lot of tough questions. But I think in the end, he's saying, Job, I think you're going to come through it. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> As I uh, thought about uh, this particular lesson, um, and uh, I'm kind of sick of church answers, <laughs> and that's why, and that's why we're here, and that's why what we we do what we do, and <clears throat> we want to encourage each and every one of you um, every week. And thanks so much for tuning in. So. On behalf of producer Steve Titch, Michael Cropper, Professor Robert Koshu, my name is Bill Cox, and our podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. So please write it and leave a review. And if you have any questions or comments, you can go to our Facebook page or our website, which is www.nochurchanswers.com, and post it there. And if you're unable to attend a church, check out Sugarland Baptist Church streaming service. It's on Facebook, YouTube, and SugarlandBaptist.org. And starts Sundays at 945. And when you're ready, we encourage each and every one of you to join a local Bible-based church. Why local? So you'll go and participate. And find a small group, ABF Adult Bible Fellowship, or Sunday School class that you can join for discussions like this. And find one that is for men only. And if there isn't one, start one. And don't take those church answers. Sugarland Baptist Church streaming service. It's on Facebook, YouTube, and SugarlandBaptist.org. And starts Sundays at 945. And when you're ready, we encourage each and every one of you 
to join a local Bible-based church. Why local? So you'll go and participate. And find a small group, ABF Adult Bible Fellowship, or Sunday School class that you can join for discussions like this. And find one that is for men only. And if there isn't one, start one. And don't take those church answers. You've been listening to No Church Answers, the weekly Christian podcast for men. Tell us what you think. Leave a comment or review. Want to know more about us? Then visit NoChurchAnswers.com and our Facebook page. Check out our video series on our YouTube channel. You can also become a patron of No Church Answers by visiting our Patreon page. No Church Answers is a production of Man Up Spiritual Oasis Media, which is solely responsible for its content.